0: Peter made the statement of how we're redeemed in the blood of the Lamb that is Christ, the only way to God, period. Everything supplied, period, in Christ. Everything we have. That He was foreordained before the foundation of the world was manifest in these last times for you. And He goes and He closes that by telling us that all flesh is grass. It's going to fade away. It withers in the heat. It withers in the drought. We are represented as being grass in the world. Our life is a mist vapor, vapors. Here a moment and gone. And how the things of the world, and you remember this as we come down to the stones, oftentimes change us. The things that we face, the things that go on in life that will fashion one man's heart a little different from the other where one man undergoes something that another may not and his life is changed or his his heart is changed to a degree by what he's had to face in the world and even more so how God has blessed him to come through all these things. But he said, "...the Word of the Lord, Christ, and the Gospel endures forever." And this is the Word by which the Gospel is preached unto you. Mm-hmm. The Word being the living Word. And if you remember as we closed last week, we went to Galatians chapter 3 and talked about how the Scripture preached to Abraham before Moses was ever on the picture, before there was ever the law given, before there was ever a Gospel being preached by Men in the New Testament, the scripture preached unto Abraham that he would be a father of many nations through faith. And that scripture is the declared word of God. It's the living word of God. It's Jesus Christ. The Lord sat with Abraham in the door of his tent in the heat of the day. That was Christ. There's no way to hear God. There's no way to see God except in Christ, and Christ sat with Him. Saying all that to make the point, chapter 2 begins, Wherefore, because you're the elect of God, because you're sanctified of God, because you're brought into the obedience of of Christ and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ because he died for you and brought you to himself. Because you have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. Because you face temptations in the world that are heavy upon you. But yet you're kept by the power of God through the faithful work of Christ to stand at the last day. And be taken to glory. Though your faith is tried with fire, because Christ suffered for you. Because the very living Word of God, the very Son of God suffered for you. Because of these things, because of our duty to be holy, and it is a duty, where it's a duty to worship God, we make mention. We don't say it enough. We have a duty to be in church. We have a duty to be baptized. If you love God, then you've got a duty to have a good conscience before God to be baptized, to come to the church of God and take you to your cross daily and manifest the work of God in you that Christ would be glorified. Wherefore, through all these things that we've covered for the last several weeks, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, it's hard for a man with a heart as hard as mine is to stand up here and teach you this part of this text. I believe it was Danny Wisner who said, Friday, I'm a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites. We are led by the Spirit. We seek the things of God. We strive to serve God. And we turn around and fall to the nature of man. If it were not for the grace of God, there'd be no difference between us and those that God left in the nature of Adam. But we are saved in Christ. That work is finished eternally. We do have a home in glory and we do have the knowledge of that. Through who? How? Christ. Wherefore, laying aside all malice. Now think about that. Think about that. Malice. Premeditated is the word the law uses of man. Premeditated. We think about Things. We are angry at someone, so we, we pre-think, we pre-plan, we study ways to harm them, yeah. to fight against them, to destroy them. You know, as a police officer, you think, you circle buildings, you drive around banks, and you think about, well, if this bank gets held up, how am I going to approach this situation? Where am I going to come in? How am I going to enter? What am I going to do, whether they're here or there or there? That's planning ahead. Well, in our nature, we plan ahead against those we consider our enemies. Don't think I don't. I think about some of these evil people we see on the news and I think of ways that I would handle them. That's malice. A way to hurt. A way to destroy. A way to take power over or to deceive. Thinking of it in religious, spiritual circles. And do not think that a child of God First of all, we all had malice in our nature and do not think that a child of God is above these things. We're here to represent Christ. We're here as ambassadors for Christ. You send an ambassador to a strange country to represent the king. He is to be on his best behavior representing this king who sent him to try to act and be as the King who sent Him to represent Him that others may see the glory of that King. And don't think we can't have malice one to another. Think back on churches that have disappeared, candlestick taken. Many times it's because of false doctrine. Many times it's because we centered on something other than Christ the Lord who is our salvation, our life, our resurrection. He's the truth of God. He's the only way to God. And yet we get angry in the flesh because Satan walks about seeking whom he may devour, planting seeds in our mind. That's why Paul says you're here. Christ has loved you. Christ has saved you. You're saved in His blood. He suffered greatly for you. So lay aside all malice live as peaceably as you can with all men and love the brotherhood. Who is my brother? They asked Jesus about His mother. He said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But those that keep the commandments of God. What's that saying? Those that are born of God. Those that are regenerated from among the elect of God whom He loved and chose before the world was and whom Christ died for and will raise up. Love the brotherhood. Paul says laying aside all malice and all guile, deception, deception. I don't have to tell you about how men love money. The love of money is the root of all evil. You can turn the TV on and see these men smiling. Send me your money. The Lord needs it. Deception. Guile. And I'll leave that where it sits. And hypocrisies. Lay aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies. A hypocrite. The definition applied here. One who lays claim to loving God yet does not. One who gives claim to having faith in God, yet who does not. One who tells you he is a disciple and puts on a show for his profit, for his own belly, and yet has no love or fear of God within him. And envies. Oh, we could talk about this and I could step on my toes. Envy. Jealous of what another brother or sister has? Envy. I'm not meaning to pick on people, but I'm going to tell you a big truth and a great cause of trouble. One minister envying another. We're all nothing. Yea, less than nothing. Our works dare not appear before God. It is God. It is Christ. For it's His ministry who calls men into the ministry. We're not in competition. We're not here to be better than the other. We're not here to envy each other, but our flesh clings to such things and Satan fires it up. And trouble starts. And all evil speakings, lay these things aside. This is on my mind because we've been talking a little about the reasons the church... Suffers. Okay? Put these things aside. Yeah. Put them aside behind you. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Resist the devil, and he will flee for you. And O.J.B. Thrower from California, the black minister, said he just don't stay flee very long because he stays in your pocket. What are we to do as newborn babes? Babies in Christ. In the mindset of us being new to Christ. You remember the parable the Lord gave about those He agreed for them to work for a penny and they worked all day for a penny and there were others that came along later and He gave them a penny also and the first ones got mad because He gave the second ones The same He gave the first. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? You see, we're the ones that came second. The law and the prophets were first. We came along second. Okay, We're newborn babes to Christ. As newborn babes, being strangers, Ephesians 2, from the commonwealth of Israel, and all the law and all the prophets that came up until John, for the law and the prophets were until John, were newborn babes. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow by, thereby. Desire the gospel. Desire the knowledge of Christ. Read, study, pray in the scripture, but you sitting at home on Sunday morning reading the Bible is not going to give you near the benefit that sitting together in the assembly of the saints which God loves and the fellowship of Christ flowing from heart to heart, you 're not going to get that at home like you do here. Because we're assembled together and we sit together in Christ. Desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. We, I agree wholeheartedly, we ought to be telling our friends and our neighbors and those that we know and love about the church and about the Lord above all things. I've always respected you for that because when you work, I know you did that. And that at least brings it to someone's mind where they know the truth. That you may grow because milk causes us to grow. Milk is a nutrient. Now we are to graduate and mature to where we can handle meat. But while we're babes, we need this milk. It makes us grow. A newborn babe takes a bottle from his mother's breast and he grows or she grows. He says, if so be, I want to get to the text that you covered. If so be, have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I've often wondered about that because it stands alone there with a the period. But he said, if so be, that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have you tasted the grace of God? To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He has come to you, this gracious God, this grace of God, which came by Jesus Christ. He has come to you if you've tasted that, if you've tasted that milk, if you have that knowledge, if you love God, if He loves you, if you're the elect of God, if you've been regenerated, if you're a babe in Christ, He's a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. In that old temple, first of all, in the wilderness, they traveled around. From place to place, because of their sin, they were made to wander. I don't want to wander. When Solomon, by the grace of God in Christ, built the temple, they laid the ark in its place, and they removed the stakes. We have a place in this world which is solid. It's a rock. It's a sure foundation. That place is in Christ. When they were rebuilding the temple in Nehemiah, it said the people stood in their place. What is their place? In the right hand of God, which is Christ. "...to whom coming as into a living stone, This stone that was laid. If you're going to build a building, you drop the mark with a plumb bob and the string and it drops and that's the corner. We find in Ephesians 2 that we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. Therefore, this is talking about the church in the world because we're built on the apostles. And the prophets, the first century church, were built upon the church of Jesus Christ. It's not the church of the law. It's the church of grace. There's one way here that is in Christ. Upon this rock, which is Christ, and the knowledge of Christ, will I build my church, and the gates of hell, which is death, shall not prevail against it. Even when we die, we're still gods. And Christ, that stone that was laid, is a living stone. He laid His life down. He raised it up again. On that knowledge, on that truth from the Godhead which bears a record in heaven, it is recorded, it is written that He has died and raised up and is alive. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men because he was rejected by his own men, but chosen of God and precious. Isaiah 42, Behold, my servant, mine elect, whom I have chosen, this is whom I uphold, this is the man Jesus Christ. Chosen of God and precious. He is precious to the Father. He is the Son of God. He came when the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, overshadowed, overpowered Mary and she conceived. This child, this man, was not created as Adam from the dust of the ground. This man came from God Himself. People talk like God chose Him out of the world. That's not the case. God brought the man into existence from foreknowledge and omniscience. God made the Christ. God made the man. The living, eternal Word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's chosen of God and precious. He's precious to the Father. He's precious to us. Amen. He obeyed the Father out of love to the Father. He suffered in so many ways. He's precious to the Father. He's precious to us because as we've been taught when we're allowed to see Him and understand that knowledge that we're sinners, that we have no way, no chance to come to God or change ourselves or to stand before God, much less stand in heaven in immortal glory. It's all in him because he did love us, because he did suffer for us, and he will raise us up. He's precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. There's your temple. Back in the book of Exodus, when they built the altar, the Lord told them to take unto yourself twelve stones. Twelve steps to the altar. Steps go up. Twelve. One for every tribe of Israel. That entails all the elect of God and types and shadows. When Solomon built the house and all the stones, there was not the sound of a tool heard in the house. What does that teach us? That teach us teaches us, as we find in Hebrews 3, that Christ built the house, not man. The Lord adds daily such as should be saved. Give that glory to God. Christ built the house and we are a spiritual house. The Spirit of God which is within you. And holy priesthood. Exodus 19, God gave Moses the law. And this won't be verbatim probably, but He told him, if you will obey My law and My commandments, I will make you a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood, a peculiar people unto Myself. Well, we failed. We are sinned. We have no way to come to God. But in Christ, we're made holy and without before the Father in love. And God works through Christ in us to do the things which He would have us to do, which is to love God and to love each other. You as lively stones, you're living. Okay? You're not dead. As Christ is alive, we're alive. Are built up a spiritual house because your body is the temple of God and Christ dwells within you. To offer up a holy priesthood. Well, holy means sanctified, set aside. God has set you aside. God has sanctified you. He's made you holy. For what purpose? Well, I don't want to go to church today. Well, there's your wrong, Okay? You are created to worship God. You are saved. You have salvation to worship God. Our duty is to worship God. He has set us aside to be a priesthood. What does the priesthood do? It serves God, it worships God. Amen. To offer up spiritual sacrifices, would Paul say, I beseech you, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. It's expected of us. That's why Paul, I mean, Peter is telling them to lay these things aside. You're the house of God. You're spiritual stones. All that was entailed in the law and the prophets teaching us of the coming of Christ, as we see here in Peter, of the grace that should come unto you here in the church today. Here in the New Testament church where men are called of God and given knowledge and given understanding that they may be able to preach unto you the glorious Gospel of Jesus Christ. My daddy told me a week or so back, he said, I don't know anything. He said, it it disheartens me because these are my words, not his, but it's pertaining to what he said. He said, "I, I don't seem to know anything. I don't know as much as other people. And I'm going to tell you, my daddy reads the Scripture four or five hours a day. Every time you go down, There he's reading. I said, Daddy, you know a lot. It's not that you don't know anything. God has blessed you. He's taught me things. But you've got to understand that when Christ calls a man into the ministry for the benefit of the children of God, God teaches him more because he must know more. He must have revelation of Scripture to the Holy Spirit in order to teach the children of God. I believe it was Danny Wizard the other day said, We don't know, we're not on the same level. Some know a little, some know a lot. That's why Jesus told Peter, Feed my lambs and feed my sheep. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. There is not another way. It is in Christ and Him alone. And I'll say it again. There is nothing that I'm going to use myself. I am a sinner. As long as I live in this body of flesh, I am sin. My existence in this flesh is sin cannot offer a sacrifice acceptable to God because my very nature is sinful. It is acceptable to God the Father by Jesus Christ in the suffering and the sacrifice Which He did. Why would we lay all these things aside? Why do we come to church? Why do we worship God? It's not to gain something, although we have much gain. It's because we love Him. Because He does love us. And because He's always loved us. And because He has suffered and bled and died for us and secured us in the covenant of grace. Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, Isaiah 42, and precious. And he that believeth on Him shall not be confounded. Okay, you believe in Him because He has revealed Himself to you. Matthew 16, Him to men say that I, the Son of Man, am Elias, John the Baptist, one of the prophets, whom say ye that I am? Peter said, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." What did Jesus say? "Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but My Father, which art in heaven." Revelation one, the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave to him to give unto you His servants the knowledge of Christ, the chief cornerstone. Therefore, therefore, we are not confounded. Therefore, we are not afraid. Therefore, we are not worried. We're not confused and carried about with Stain's doctrine. Because Christ is in our heart just as God wrote upon the heart uh, the stone tablet of stone, God writes upon your heart in Christ. You have the knowledge of God. Steve mentioned what he did a moment ago. I thought about things that I've i believed all my life, and once uh, didn't know didn't know where it was at. Don't even know if I'd ever heard it, but I believed it because I knew God was greater than that. Couldn't prove it. And then all of a sudden, sitting in church, somebody would preach from it. And I'd say, I've believed that all my life. Where did you get that? The same way you hear things that you say, that's not right. And then the Word manifested. It's not my work. It's Christ's work. We're not confounded. Unto you therefore which believe... Why do you believe? because He reveals Himself to you. He is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Those that are disobedient. Romans 9.22 starts that. We'll get into it next week. Those who were fitted to destruction. Those that were left in their own state of nature, those that fitted themselves by rebelling against God, those who rejected Him as being the Son of God, those who rejected His grace because they could not see their sin and justified themselves by their works. What if God, willing to show what? His wrath, suffered the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. They refused Him. And end is and was destruction. Anybody that wants to say I'm of this or I'm of that, put a religious flavor in there. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. You said truth is truth no matter where you find it. A lot of God's people preach truth that are not among our people. That's been the case since the church began. We don't have a corner on the market of truth. God's grace extends to His people. I've been to churches, what with Tim McCool years ago, 20 something years ago, to a church he had an appointment at, wanted me to go bear witness. The man stood up before him and preached from Romans chapter 8 and preached the the same exact thing that we do because God works that. To them, it's a stone of stumbling, the disobedient and a rock of offense even to them which stumbled at the word being disobedient, where also they were appointed. Okay? They're fitted by their own work and their own nature and their own rebellion. But let's not confuse the two. God is not the author of sin. God did not create sin. God suffers sin. Yes. Yes. God sent His Son in the world to suffer, bleed, and die. God did not cause or make those men to deliver His Son up and destroy Him or try to. You go back to the 32nd chapter of Exodus when they had built that pagan calf. The Lord told Moses, mine angel shall go before thee. He'll lead thee. But nevertheless, in the day of their visitation, I will visit their sin upon them. Their sin. What they did. Yet God sent His Son into the world knowing full well what they were going to do. And God, through that heinous act of crucifying the very Son of God, saved His people from their sins. Their own wickedness is why they did it. They're appointed They're appointed to destruction. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him he hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's twelve o'clock. We'll pick up there next week. Good Lord willing.